Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer. But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? We dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio, powered by Postano. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Thanks for checking out the only show dedicated to covering the business side of sports. We're happy to be powered by our friends at Postano. Follow them online at postano.com or on Twitter at Postano. Got a great show for you this week. CJ McCollum, the Portland Trailblazers guard and aspiring journalist. Did you know that? He scored a career-high 33 points against the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round of the NBA playoffs. He's now poised for a breakout season after the departure of starter Wes Matthews. He's also a journalism major and recently interviewed NBA Commissioner Adam Silver for the Players' Tribune. I better watch out. He might be wanting to sit in this seat pretty soon. Listen to my in-depth conversation with C.J. McCollum coming up in segment three of this week's show. Also on this week's show, Brian Cheek, the Director of Business Development for Sports for Pistano. Pistano is now able to integrate Periscope into its visual aggregations. We'll discuss that and some of the other innovative things Pistano is doing with Brian Cheek in our next segment. Speaking of Brian's, I'm joined by another Brian. Brian Griggs, our executive producer. How are you, Griggs? Doing great, and uh, you mentioned uh, the app there, Periscope, and, I, and that's been blowing up all over. I've been seeing all kinds of people on Twitter using it, and it's uh, it's pretty fun to see how they use it, and you really get the inside look at the artist or the star or whoever's using it. It's kind of fun. Griggs, guess where I was last week? You were at Twitter. I was at Twitter headquarters for the first time. That was really cool. Uh, right. I can't talk much about what I saw there because they make you sign an NDA when you walk in the door. They've got the little iPad out, and you have to... Sign your life away to make sure that you're not giving away any trade secrets. But uh, it was a cool place. I enjoyed the people I met with. And, uh, you know, they are doing super innovative stuff there. And Periscope is, is definitely at the top of that list. And they're going to be doing some really cool stuff in the future as well. So, uh, yeah, that was a fun trip. I also got to go to uh, the Pac-12 network, visited some friends there. And I went to the Bleacher Report. So, uh, well spent time in San Francisco. Uh, Griggs, I went down to, is it Pier 39, I think, down at the wharf, and mm-hmm. there's this NFL store down there, and they sell other sports memorabilia, but when I was a kid, and I'm talking like when I was eight years old, I used to go down to the wharf, and I'd go to this store, Griggs, it was like time stood still, I even tweeted out a picture at SB Radio, there were still satin, San Francisco 49er jerseys in there, there's Ken Stabler jerseys in there, R.I.P., Ken Stabler, who recently passed away, uh, Bo Jackson. But it, it was like it, 70s and 80s memorabilia on sale at the uh, the retail outlet down there by the wharf. And I just kind of chuckled because so many of those places are closing because people are selling sports gear online only now. So I was happy that it was open. And then I just laughed that a lot of the stuff that was in there when I was eight years old is still in there now. <laughs> Probably the, some, some of the jerseys were there still that you touched when you were eight and you got to see them again. I love that. No, but you're right. Nobody sells them anymore. It's kind of cool when you can find a store that actually has that old stuff. You can go touch it and see it and feel it and buy it. It's cool. Very cool. So let's look at the number one headline of this week. 
the NFL upheld the four-game Tom Brady suspension for Deflategate, two things would lead the demise of NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, as we always discussed on this show here, Griggs. One would be sponsors leaving the NFL. Two would be Roger Goodell losing support from NFL owners. Well, Robert Kraft is seen by many as the most powerful owner in the NFL and someone who has been an ally to Roger Goodell. But take a listen to the Patriots owner this week after the Tom Brady decision was announced by the NFL. The decision handed down by the league yesterday is unfathomable to me. It is routine for discipline in the NFL to be reduced upon appeal. In the vast majority of these cases, there is tangible and hard evidence of the infraction for which the discipline is being imposed, and still the initial penalty gets reduced. Six months removed from the AFC championship game, the league still has no hard evidence of anybody doing anything to tamper with the PSI levels of footballs. I continue to believe and unequivocally unequivocally support Tom Brady. I, first and foremost, need to apologize to our fans because I truly believe what I did in May, given the actual evidence of the situation and the league's history on discipline matters, would make it much easier for the league to exonerate Tom Brady. Unfortunately, I was wrong. The league's handling of this entire process has been extremely frustrating and disconcerting. I will never understand why an initial erroneous report regarding the PSI level of footballs was leaked by a source from the NFL a few days after the AFC championship game, was never corrected by those who had the correct information. For four months, that report cast dispersions and shaped public opinion. Yesterday's decision by Commissioner Goodell was released in a similar matter under an erroneous headline that read, Tom Brady destroyed his cell phone. This headline was designed to capture headlines across the country and obscure evidence regarding the tampering of ear pressure in footballs. It intentionally implied nefarious behavior and minimized the acknowledgement that Tom provided the history of every number he texted during that relevant time frame. And we had already provided the league with every cell phone of every NFL, non-NFL PA employee that they requested, including head coach Bill Belichick. Tom Brady is a person of great integrity and is a great ambassador of the game, both on and off the field. Yet for reasons that I cannot comprehend, there are those in the league office who are more determined to prove that they were right rather than admit any culpability of their own or take any responsibility for the initiation of a process and ensuing investigation that was flawed. So that is Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots. Some strong words for Roger Goodell and for the NFL. That story's 
Not going to go away anytime soon, which is bad news for the NFL because they want you thinking about upcoming season and upcoming games. But Deflategate continues to dominate the headlines. All right, when we come back, Brian Cheek, the director of business development for sports for Pistano, is going to join us. After that, it's CJ McCollum, the rising star of the Portland Trailblazers and aspiring journalist. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more powered by Postano. SBR will be right back. Hi, it's Brian Berger. Here at Sports Business Radio, we are proud to work with our partners, Pastano. They make a sports-proven visual marketing platform that I've personally been amazed to see. Teams like the Dallas Cowboys, Boston Red Sox, LA Kings, and Cleveland Cavaliers all use Pastano to engage their fans. When sports teams and fans tell their stories together, amazing things can happen. Every fan has a story. Whether you want to put selfies on the Jumbotron, create a dynamic social media command center, or activate a hashtag campaign on your website, Pastano can design an amazing social experience true to your brand. Even better, using the Pistano platform can pay for itself through selling sponsorships. As an example, the Kings sell sponsor space to Toyota and other clients and run the ads using Pistano. Want to see what your team's social content could look like? Schedule a demo today. Go to pistano.com slash sports. If you're a fan of this podcast, you understand the real power of engaging your fans. And these guys get it. That is P-O-S-T-A-N-O dot com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is Brian Cheek. He is the Director of Business Development for Sports for Pistano, our friends at Pistano who help us with our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. You've probably seen them at the Sports PR Summit in New York as well. Brian, how are you? Doing great, Brian. How are you? Good. Uh, it's been a while since we had you on the show, and I've watched some of the things that you guys have been unveiling and some really cool stuff. Uh, let's start with... The introduction of the Periscope vis- visualization. Uh, you know, it's really cool. People go to events, they see uh, visualizations on the scoreboards, but now you introduce the ability to stream Periscope in there, which is the live streaming app from Twitter. Explain to our audience how that works. Yeah, it was uh, a great accomplishment uh, by our team. It was it was really done uh, the first time. Um, in July 4th weekend, uh, in conjunction with Essence Festival. So a big annual festival that, uh, our, our team has been lucky enough to be involved with for two years. Um, and what we did at Essence Festival was, uh, similar to our other visualizations, it, it just runs and, and launches on a URL. Um, but we frame, uh, you know, the visualization with, you know, sponsor logoing and, and such on either side and then reserve the center of the screen for the, for the Periscope feed, um, in the particular case of Essence Festival, it was used for um, you know live streaming backstage interviews from the green room to the Superdome crowd. Uh, so Usher was the main performer one of the evenings. So a uh, you know two minute Periscope with Usher in the green room, you know an hour or so before he hits the stage. So it's really awesome uh, to capture right that kind of um, activity behind stage, you know, behind stage in a locker room, on the field, in the crowd. Um, and so the way the visualization works is, you know, per client, we are listening for, you know, a white list of users, right? So give us the, 
you know, give us the group of people on the staff that are going to be launching a Periscope um, anytime that you want to uh, put the visualization up on your, you know, big screen. As soon as they launch that Periscope, uh, that live stream will be fed into the screen. Uh, so we also did it up at Safeco during the IDEA conference uh, for all the game presentation folks a couple weeks ago at Safeco. Um, it works flawlessly. It's, it's really awesome. You know, I think as the leagues kind of, you know, work through the issues of what Periscope means, um, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get more and more uptake of it. But uh, we've had a lot of interest in it. Um, I think it's going to be, um, you know, a pretty cool addition to our, to our visualization. No, I think it's fantastic. I was just in San Francisco last week and I had the opportunity for the first time ever to go to Twitter headquarters. So, you know, seeing what they're doing up close and, and I'm a big fan of Periscope and, and how that works. And now the ability for you guys to, uh, bring that into your visualizations, I think is super cool. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, again, so, you know, public facing in a big arena, but also, um, you know, just even as an office type of um, visualization. So the, you know, we can be listening for a group of approved uh, users, but the other alternative too is to actually track a hashtag for Periscope. So, you know, you would want that obviously to be for internal viewing, but if you wanted to have a constant screen up in a marketing area or office area that you wanted to see every Periscope to a hashtag around your team, it would just obviously it would just come on, right? So it's almost like a Periscope channel for your hashtag. Um, so it's, it's it's actually really cool. Um, I you know we'll we'll continue to evolve it, and I think the clients will obviously dictate its use cases. Um, but it's pretty fun. It's it's uh you know obviously what anytime you can uh, you know take advantage of you know new technology, it's it's really cool. So, Brian, some of the teams that you guys work with, the Dallas Cowboys, the L.A. Kings, the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, the Boston Red Sox, some really recognizable teams, they, I'm sure, love new innovations like this. What else can we look for in the future? You know, maybe not like in the next month or two, but like what's coming down the road that teams are coming to you and saying, here's what we want to display and engage our fans? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, and, and we've really spent a lot of time this summer um, really thinking about that. So we we actually brainstormed with several of our teams kind of towards the conclusion of last year and, and kind of asked them, you know, like, what would you like to see? You know, what are some of the things that, you know, you would like us to work on? And they really came up with some amazing ideas. So we we you know, went into development on a number of those. We, we actually introduced a, a few of them two weeks ago, again, at IDEA in Seattle. And I've got, um, you know, several teams that have signed on to do some of these newer things. And they were really, the, the theme from the teams was, you know, give me something that is not completely new. It might be a new twist or a social twist on something we're already doing you know, we love your design and innovation, so come up with something creative around that particular execution, but this will do a little bit differently. So um, we've got a number of teams signed on for a couple of them. So just to kind of mention a couple that are kind of a couple of my favorites, um, we've got a, a few teams, and I think we'll end up with more before kind of September, October rolls around. Um, so one of them is going to be a most, social section of the game. 
Um, so it works pretty simply, whereas the fans are engaged in the game and the team hashtag, they are motivated to basically compete against each other by section. So as they are hashtagging the team hashtag, also hashtag the section that you're sitting in. And our visualization that we'll create for the team will obviously be very branded, also carry a sponsorship along with it, um, and have an animation to it. So at any moment in time, as you put it up on the you know video screen, it will show the three top sections at that given moment in time and show some of the user content that's being submitted, you know, photos on Twitter, Instagram, et cetera. And then um, have the ability to then display the winning section. So tonight's most social section is section 112. And a brand ambassador from the team will go down to that section and hand out coupons, you know, from the particular sponsor. So it can be done in a few different ways. Obviously, you can take it to the section level. You can also do it by level. So you could have the arena 100 level against 200 level against 300 level. And, of course, have those crazies up in the 300 level win every time. (laughs) Um, But anyways, it's just kind of that gamification of social. So that's one of them. Um, another one that we have, um, we came up with a selfie shuffle. So, uh, you know, kind of automating that concept of uh, selfie submissions, uh, where again, carry a sponsor, um, have a winning selfie of the night, um, have the platform randomly choose that winner, um, and then obviously award that winner. The, you know, this was the selfie of the night. So, um, and there's a few other ones, too, that I'll kind of hold back for October um, launches. Uh, a lot of the teams don't want us to really talk about them. But really the idea was to give give the teams fun things to do around social that they could then go pitch to a sponsor. Because they're getting you know a, a lot of, I wouldn't call it pressure, but I think sponsors are going to the teams asking, hey, how can we get involved with your fans? in a campaign around a social promotion and hashtag. And so, you know, there's so much going on in a game that introducing a, you know, a bunch of new stuff into the game presentation and the game show is difficult. But if you can take a few of the things that they might already be doing in some way or another, but just doing a little twist on them, that's what they wanted to see. So we're pretty excited. Um, you know, again, they're all developed, you know, over the last three months, and we're going to see a lot of them get rolled out, you know, this September and October with some of the teams. I love those ideas, and that's why I love Pastano, because, you know, there's other companies out there that do displays, and they'll just put up pictures or put up aggregation, but you guys take things next level with your thinking, like the ideas that you just described, and I, I think those are great ideas, and I agree with you. You know, when I talk to teams, sponsors want to engage with fans, they want to do things that are unique, right? That stand out. Yeah. And these are things that stand out and are unique and help them engage with fans in a memorable way. So I think it's a win for everyone. Yeah. And, and not only are they getting the excitement and that kind of brand, um, you know, affinity inside the arena, but because it's social, it extends beyond, right? The, the actual facility, the, the outside the stadium, outside the arena. So, you know, the, the brand wins, right? They, they're obviously being associated with the team in the arena, but even taking the periscope visualization as a, you know, you're watching a periscope live in the arena, but you know what? That periscope is also out on social, on Twitter. So there's, there's, that is what really excites the sponsors because their, their, re, their reach and their investment to obtain that reach on a 
per contact goes way down, right? So, um, you know, the, a lot of the stuff, you know, the you know, maybe, you know, older stuff happening in arenas with a lot of text messaging and that type of thing. But really, you know, Pistano is all about leveraging the social platforms. No, that's great stuff. Uh, before I let you go, Brian Cheek from Pistano is joining me. Uh, last time I was in your guys' offices, I had a chance to see the command center up close and personal, and I just love it. And it's great for two things. You can talk about it in a minute, but it's great for measuring fan engagement. But then also, you know, my world of PR and the people I work with, it's great for following the conversation and tracking the conversation. And, you know, you look at like the NFL this week with the deflate gate story. Yeah. It helps you track those conversations in a much smarter way. How is everything going with the command centers? And I imagine that you have people pretty excited to get their hands on those. Yeah, the command center has been, um, you know, really a, a product and, and a dream vision of Justin Garrity, our president for a number of years, even prior to when he came to Pastano. And, um, it, it really has fulfilled, you know, everything that he wanted to achieve in that product. And, you know, it is it is a, a different um, twist on a command center as, you know, often things that we do here at Pistano. We, we definitely have a little bit different point of view of other people. Um, you know, so our command center is, is, is really meant to be a visualization for a collaborative area in the office where marketing teams, PR teams, like you mentioned, are listening and watching what's going on around their brand in real time. But what's unique with our command center is its ability to react to new information and actually be able to enter what we call a new dimension on the fly. So if you've got, um, you know, all of a sudden deflate gate uh, verdict, you know, comes out or, or whatever um, PR is released, well, you can, you know, fire up that command center with deflate gate hashtag content and watch that conversation and it surfaces influencers and it surfaces the most popular kind of content that's being retweeted and favorited. And you can bring in, you know, blog and, or, you know, accounts of influencers on Twitter. So it's really meant to be, um, you know, very uh, agile and a collaborative environment. And we even, and, and so there's kind of the two aspects of it. One is all for internal, kind of this war room, if you will. Um, and then we've had a lot of clients that have seen the command center and said, hey, can I get a command center for my event or my uh, sporting event or for my conference? And so uh, we've, we've done uh, command centers for, you know, short-term events as well. Um, and so it's just, a, it, it, you just end up staring at this thing. It's, it's just awesome. And it's, it's not meant to replace what you might already have as a kind of heavy lifting analytics environment where you're digging into reports on your laptop. I mean, it's not going to replace that. Those things you'll always need to, you know, diagnose data and to look for, you know, specific things and, and generate reports. It's really meant for, look, if you want to find out the conversation literally in two minutes, you look at this wall and watch it, you're going to have a really good idea of what's going on. And you're going to see the influencers and you might want to go out and try to reach them. So it, it, it allows you to get in front of things. And of course, you know, in your world in PR, that's what it's all about. Um, you know, you want to be able to see it now, be able to react rather than, you know, wow, we missed that one and, and now we've got some damage control. So it's, um, 
it's been going great. I think we've had it launched for maybe six, five or six months now. Um, the unfortunate part is a lot, most of the permanent installations are with some pretty big clients that we're not allowed to disclose because obviously they don't want people to know that they have such a thing. But anyways, well, as, as more and more clients come on, you know, on board, hopefully we'll be able to start to showcase some of them in case studies and such on our website. Well, it is stunning visually. And if you want to find out more about the command center, go to pistano.com backslash products backslash command center. It's really cool. Uh, you'll get a great idea of what it looks like and what its capabilities are by going to that URL that I just gave you. Brian, it's always great to catch up with you. I uh, look forward to the next Sports Business Radio Roadshow this fall and uh, continued success to you guys. All right. Thanks a lot, Brian. Great. Great talk to you again. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR, powered by Postano, after this. My name is Sophia Berger. I want to tell you about the Pixie Project. The Pixie Project matches pets to the right people. The Pixie Project takes pride in finding matches for both people and animals. The Pixie Project also offers low-cost veterinary assistance. My family worked with the Pixie Project to adopt a lovable puppy, Scotty. He's a great addition to our family. So if you get a dog or cat, kitten or puppy, you should go to the Pixie Project. To learn more about the Pixie Project, visit them at www.pixieproject.org. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is CJ McCollum of the Portland Trailblazers. You can follow him on Twitter at CJ McCollum. CJ, how are you? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. So I know today was day one of your basketball camp in Oregon. You did one in Ohio, too. How would day one of uh, camp go? Day one of camp went well. I had a good showing. I ran my camp at Club Sport, which is across the street from the practice facility in uh, Oregon. And uh, we, we focused a lot on drills in the morning session, had lunch, and then we took it to a more competitive segment in the second half with one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, and uh some five-on-five along with some listening series to to kind of get the kids to to focus in on listening and and taking in direction. That's important. Uh, I've got a young one, and I know listening is an important skill. Uh, When you went to camp, what did you do at camp, and how did what you learned when you were a youngster at camp help with your own camp now? When I was young, I went to Eric Snow's camp. That was the camp that I was in Ohio growing up. That's the one I always went to along with a few others uh, at my high school. But it was just more focused on drills. We did a lot of drill work just in terms of finding out different ways to improve your game, you know, working on your uh, weaknesses and trying to improve your strengths. And then we got into competitive segments of hot shot, one-on-one and two-on-two and uh, knockout and some more competitive things to kind of, you know, get the juices flowing. A lot of kids like to play games and like to do hot shot and knockout and bump and all that stuff. And what they what they seem to forget sometimes is that you have to work on your game and actually work on your craft before you translate that to, to live action. At what point did you start spending a lot of time in the gym? You're a terrific shooter. Obviously, you spent a lot of time on your shot. When did you really start saying, all right, I got to spend some time in the gym here? Uh, I think it started at a young age. I was always you know, going to the YMCA and doing those type of things where we had drills and and uh, kind of practices and, and little leagues for kids. And then as I got older, 
that got to like 12, 13, that's when I really started to take the game seriously and started, you know, working on my game with my brother and getting into the gym and staying in the gym all day long and actually starting to count my shots and work on ball handling and jump roping and stuff. So I think once I got to middle school, that's when I really got serious about it. You majored in journalism at Lehigh. How did you become interested in journalism? Out of all the things you could have majored in, why journalism? Uh, I actually started off in the business school. It's interesting. Um, I was a business major, but I really wasn't happy with math part of, of the business section. <laughs> I hear that, man. I felt like there was a little too much math for me. And yeah. Obviously, I, I would always joke and, and say that I, I can use a calculator and count pretty well, so I'm not sure why I need uh, econ and and statistics and all those calculus and all those types of classes. So I switched over to journalism in my freshman year, and that's when I realized I was, I was better at writing papers than I was you know, taking tests. And, and I got better at it each year, and I eventually joined the, the uh, school newspaper staff and became an editor and interned for Lehigh Sports, and the rest is kind of history. But it was something that I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed writing papers, and I liked talking and, and seeing how pieces uh, come together. So it was a lot of fun for me. So tell me about that. So you're a star on the basketball team, but you're also one of the editors of the newspaper. How did that, that takes a lot of time. Yeah, I was a assistant editor um, for the newspaper for two years. It was a lot of time, a lot of meetings. Obviously, I couldn't make all the meetings. I had to miss them for games sometimes and practices, but when, when I didn't have anything to do uh, in terms of athletic commitments, I wasn't going to make it and get my work done. And a lot of stuff was done electronically, so I could always send my edits in and online. Usually when, when somebody submitted a paper or a story, I would just edit it and then send it back you know, through, through some of the uh, drop boxes that we had in college. So that made things a lot easier for me to have to always be there. But uh, the only thing, only sport I couldn't cover, obviously, was men's basketball because of the conflict of interest. So besides that, I did hockey, I did uh, lacrosse, soccer, field hockey, um, football, everything. And then I started doing the sideline reporting, and that stuff was also fun. So what have you learned about journalists? I mean, now you're on the other side. You're a pro athlete. When you look at journalists, you stand in front of your locker room after every NBA game. Friend or foe, the journalist? <laughs> uh, I think it's in the middle. Obviously, you befriend them because then you get to understand their personalities. And they're all nice people, but then at the end of the day, their job is to, is to get a story. Whether that's a good story or a bad story, they have to tell the truth and, and be a little biased because that's what sells. You know, They have to sell their personal opinion along with facts. So I think it's a slippery slope. Uh, I enjoy reading articles, good ones and bad ones, because at the end of the day, you have to be able to take criticism uh, in this sport and in this job. You did a really outstanding interview for the Players' Tribune with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. You know, when I read it, CJ, you asked so many of the questions that if I had him on this show, I would have asked him many of those same questions. So I was like, wow. How long did it take you to prepare for that interview? I mean, that's a big moment. You're sitting down with Adam Silver, who doesn't do a ton of in-depth interviews. Yeah, that's actually my third interview with Adam. So we've developed a pretty good relationship. In the last three years, he's carved out a good 30-minute session. And I told him, I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to do you a favor. We're only going to do 20 minutes. I signed <laughs> it, and it was like 20 and some change. So we had time to take pictures and stuff afterwards. But uh, we put a lot of time in at the Players' Tribune. We kind of sat down and went over questions, and we kind of, Started with a list and trimmed it down. I was like, no, that's not a good question. We should ask Well, I asked that two years ago. Or I kind of know what he's going to say to that one, so let's let's ask a more off-topic question. Then we added this segment, um, in play or no, something something along those lines to where we talked about a four-point line. We talked about shortening preseason. He would just basically say yay or nay. 
I thought that was a, a kind of fun rapid fire segment that we added in. And obviously the, the hot stuff like draft age and you know, will we uh, just take the top 15, top 16, top 20 teams for the playoffs. Those are things that a lot of people want to know about. So we have to discuss it. It's always good to get feedback from him first. And I think one of the things, he's probably more open with you than he would be with other people, A, because you've interviewed him before, but B, you know, you're an NBA player. So uh, I think he's probably more candid with you. When you see people doing interviews, and I'm sure when you're doing interviews with certain reporters, you're probably a little bit more open or guarded based on the relationship, right? Yeah, I think you have to be careful what you say to media, obviously, because they're looking for snippets and headlines uh, to make the story sell, but... I think it's, uh, you, you kind of just, you open up, obviously, because you want the interview to be good. You want it to, to be easy, an easy story, right? I know it's like to interview someone who's dry and it's hard to kind of, you know, fill in the details. And then you find yourself, you know, with questions that, that went unanswered. So I try to give them as much information as I can without saying anything that, that shouldn't be on the record. One of the things you asked him that I thought was a great question was, you know, we saw Riley Curry go to the podium with Steph during the playoffs. And some people like myself, who has a daughter, I loved it. I thought, hey, you know, it shows him as a parent, brings out some personality. But then there were other people that were like, hey, it's keeping the media from doing their jobs and it's distracting. And where do you fall on that? Because I know you asked Adam Silver about that, but where do you fall on that topic? I think that it shows, like you said before, there's a lot of, a lot of people out there, not just athletes, but people in general who aren't the best fathers. So I think it's good to, to show that side. Obviously, what comes first, and as long as their their kid isn't affecting the, their ability to answer questions or affecting their job, I have no problem with full-time fathers you know, bringing their parents or bringing their kids to the podium because they are they are fathers. That shows another side of them that we don't always see because we tend to think that we're just athletes and we're robots and all we do is play basketball 24-7 and don't have a, a life. A lot of these guys have kids and they have other responsibilities that that sometimes mean more than basketball. Like Steph Curry's raising a daughter and they just had another kid in LeBron. He just had another kid. So it's good to see that side of athletes. And I think the Twitter and Instagram and social media allows people to, to get more of an inside perspective on what we do on a day-to-day basis. CJ McCollum of the Portland Trailblazers is my guest. You can follow him on Twitter at CJ McCollum. So Adam Silver, your buddy, recently said after you talked to him that there's still teams in the NBA that are losing money. And a lot of people roll their eyes, including me, because the NBA just signed a $24 billion deal with ESPN and TNT. I read all the rhetoric back and forth between Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts, the new executive director of the Players Union. You know, the CBA is not up till 2017, but is it something that you and, and your teammates and other players in the league are starting to think about already? Or are you like, hey, man, that's, that's you know, a year and a half away. We're not even thinking about that yet. Uh, I mean, we had meetings in Vegas uh, for the Players Association. We all met and just kind of discussed what could potentially happen in the future. So it was in the back of our minds, and we definitely are aware of it. In the meantime, we have to focus on the president and take care of you know, what's right in front of us, which is the upcoming season. Um, that's where my mind's at. My mind's on improving that I'm, uh, I'm in, in the best shape possible and ready to perform at a high level for the upcoming year. I think the, the new CBA and all that stuff will handle itself as we get closer to it. Do you watch the HBO show Ballers with uh, The Rock? Yeah. <laughs> I do watch. I've seen the first two episodes, but I've been on the road so much lately I haven't been able to watch. But now that I'm home for camp this week, I'll definitely watch at night before I get to sleep. When you watch a show like that, do you go, yeah, I kind of 
kind of true, or do you go, that's just so <laughs> sensational, that's not true, it's just, you I know, the... I think it's a little fabricated, but it has a lot of great points, a lot of great issues that athletes face. Obviously, the entourage stuff, a lot of people have a lot of, a lot of guys travel with them, people that try to you know, niche on and, and, and latch on to you when you have money. So you can see some of the resemblances. And then, obviously, once you retire, you see the lack of love a lot of those athletes are giving the show, having to find themselves, you know, not, not knowing what to do with their time because they've been so used to the camaraderie and being around their teammates and having a set schedule. You retire, then you have no schedule, and you have to find a post-playing career. So some of that stuff is exactly true, and then some of it is a little bit more fabricated, but it's, it's pretty accurate from what I've seen in the first two episodes. You mentioned, like, entourage, and I know there's entourages sometimes around athletes and celebrities. One of the things I thought was so cool is right after Damien signed his new contract, the picture came out on social media of you and Damien flying commercial down to Las <laughs> Vegas. And I think most people were just like, that is so cool. Like, you know, these guys, you can reach out and, and touch them. They're not flying first class. They're not flying private jet. They're flying commercial like we are. Yeah, I fly commercial a lot. Um, unless it's over four or five hours, I won't fly first class just because I feel like, the only thing you get is free drinks, and sometimes <laughs> it can't be a waste. I can buy my own water. So a couple hundred dollars for for free drinks isn't enough. And it, I like the extra road. Whenever I fly, like we, Damon and I, will fly to Los Angeles and Las Vegas. And just, you know, Southwest, extra row. You know, try to get an extra row, find your own seat, and keep moving. But we're just normal guys who do normal stuff on a day-to-day basis, just like everybody else. No, I think that's cool. And I think, you know, as someone who, I, I you probably didn't know this, but I used to work for the Blazers way back when, and... Um, I lived in Portland for a long time. That plays so well up in Portland too, because people just want to like, you know, I used to work with uh, Brian Grant who, who played for the Blazers and people love that. Hey, I can go fishing with Brian Grant or he goes to the movies just like I do, or he'll stop and talk to me in the grocery store. And I think people in Portland really probably like that much like probably uh, in Ohio where you're from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly true. A lot of, a lot of people obviously love sports here. In Portland, they they like the fact that we're the only professional basketball team here. There's no football team except for Seattle, so you can feel the love everywhere you go. And it's always nice to to be seen. Sometimes, but sometimes you'd rather you know move <laughs> move under the radar. So it's it's best of both worlds here. I live out you know away from downtown, so I get my peace and tranquility out here. Yeah, that's good. I, I live in the burbs as well, and. Uh... I certainly don't have the uh, recognizable face that you do, but uh, it, it's a little bit nicer out here. So let's talk about the team a little bit. You know, obviously, huge turnover in the roster. No more Lamarcus, Wes Matthews, Robin Lopez, Nick Batum. But you know, I watched you play in the playoffs, and and you feel like you're ready to really take the next step in your development. Do you feel like, hey, I'm ready to be uh, a starting point guard and a consistent player in the NBA if given the opportunity? Oh, I definitely think I'm ready for the next step in the maturation process. Obviously, I've gone through two years in the NBA and uh, finished the, the second year very strong against uh, one of, not only one of the best defenders in the NBA, one of the best defensive teams in general. So um, I'm feeling very confident. Obviously, i got some more work to do this summer to take advantage of some extra time. And I look forward to an increased role with the, the roster turnover we had with the free agent losses and trades we've made. Uh, I look forward to the opportunity to take advantage of increased minutes and uh, do whatever I can to, to help my team win on a daily basis. That first game against Memphis in the playoffs, that was a rough one for you. But then 
you came back and played the best ball of your career. There's a lot of guys that after that first game one, they would have just gone in the tank and that would have taken them out of the series. What was it that helped you kind of keep strong mentally so you knew like, all right, when I get back out there, it's going to be different? Yeah, I was always taught, you know, to obviously you're going to face adversity and I struggled. I missed a lot of open shots. I had a lot of great looks and team was confident in me, staff was confident in me. They knew I was going to knock those down. Obviously, the playoffs is a different stage, different animal, um, more more meaning to each game. And I, I knew I just had to lock in more, get, continue to get my reps. And once I seen the ball going, I knew I'd be fine. And just the way I was raised, they always say it's just not about, you know, you don't judge a guy by, by how he reacts to success. You judge a guy by how he reacts to failure, how he bounces back from it, how he overcomes it. So, uh, I pride myself in, in coming back from adversity. I, I faced it with injuries and, and just going to a small school and being under, under recruited. So it was just more about taking advantage of the next opportunity and just moving forward. Just a few minutes left with CJ McCollum of the Portland Trailblazers. Terry Stotts likes to play up tempo. You know, the roster the last few years with Lamarcus and Rolo, you can only play so much up tempo. Now, that it's a little bit of a smaller, more athletic lineup. I mean, is this a team that we're going to see just run, run, run? Yeah, I mean, obviously we haven't gotten together yet because we're still in the summertime where guys are home and some guys are working out, but we're not technically allowed to be together just yet. So it'll be interesting to see how we all come together. Obviously there's a lot of athletic bodies with seven-footers who can run the floor. Myers seven-foot can shoot, get dunks, plumbly the the guy who can run the floor and dunk everything and then Henderson and Noah, uh, young bodies to come to, to go alongside Dane and myself. So it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun to watch us get up and down and run. And it's more of a youth movement just because there's so many younger guys on the roster besides Kane. I think the oldest player is 27. Uh, we, we're on the young side and it'll be fun to see how this, uh, this works out. I'm excited to watch you and Dame in the backcourt. I mean, like you said, you're both from small colleges kind of have that chip on your shoulder. You had to fight extra hard to get to where you are. And, and, you know, now you get your chance. And I know you guys talked before you even were in the NBA. Are you pretty excited about uh, playing with him every night? Yeah, definitely. And we, we played a lot together last year down the stretch towards the end of the year. We had a few injuries and I was back in the rotation. And uh, we were very tough to guard, obviously. You have to continue to, to get better defensively as a unit and get used to playing alongside some of the new acquisitions to this team. But, we're, we're very athletic, and we're going to be a handful on the offensive end, that's for sure. With both our ability to play on and off the ball, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch for years to come. So I was checking your Twitter account. You sent out over 11,000 tweets. You you obviously like Twitter, and you like uh, being out there, which I think is great. You you show great personality on there. What do you di- What do you like and dislike about social media? I think, obviously, things you like about it, you're able to interact with fans, you're able to obviously get get insight information on media news outlets things that are happening in real time you know pictures etc and then the, the downside is obviously there's a lot of people out there who who uh, want to troll and, and try to get try to say mean things to get a reaction right and that's just the way society is some people don't use it uh for the good of the cause more so for the bad and that's what comes with everything there's good and there's bad so you gotta take both of them in stride and just keep moving what's your uh stance on trolling i know some athletes are like i will never engage no matter what and others are like you know i've talked to athletes who are like hey when i'm sitting on the bus or on the plane and i get bored i sometimes like to interact with the trolls 
Yeah, I think it's funny. It, there's mixed feelings about it. Sometimes I respond just to get a kick, to get a little laugh, maybe, maybe show them that they're not good to me or agree with someone. They say, like, you suck and blah, blah, blah. Maybe agree with them and say, yeah, I need to work on that. I mean, I'm, I'm not the best research shooter right now. They're like, oh, man, you didn't take it to heart because everybody has a right to their opinion. You don't have to agree with it, but they have a right to express it. All right, before I let you go, your your people at XL Sports tell me that you really are serious about this journalism thing. And, and you know, again, when I read your interview with Adam Silver, I was like, he's pretty good. Like, I really like the questions that you ask. And, you know, I'll give you this standing offer. If you ever want to contribute to Sports Business Radio, uh, I'm happy to have you anytime. And you know, if there's anything I can ever do to help you with uh, progressing your journalism career, uh, I think you've got some real potential. All right, man. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks again. Yeah, I, yeah, and I'm in Portland too, so uh, I'll look forward to watching you uh, play with the Blazers next year and uh, continue your development. All right, sounds good, man. Thanks. All right, good luck with your camp. All right, appreciate it. All right, you're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more powered by Postano. SBR will be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back to wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for making the time to join us this week. Thank you to our guests, CJ McCollum of the Portland Trailblazers. Really enjoyed our conversation. And Brian Cheek from Pistano. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Doug Zanger, and Diane Penny. Thanks to our friends at Pistano for powering Sports Business Radio. Follow them online at Pistano.com or on Twitter at Pistano. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Just go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 100 business news podcasts. We'd love to have you post a review of our podcast if you feel so inclined. You can also find our show Via the TuneIn, Radio, and Stitcher apps, you can always go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Our Twitter feed was named to the top 100 sports business feeds by Forbes for 2014. That was a nice honor, and uh, a lot of you only know us from the radio show. Some of you only know us from Twitter, but hopefully more and more will know us for both. We're looking for strategic partners for the Sports Business Radio Roadshow. If you want to be a part of our roadshow where we take our conversations with marquee key decision makers from the world of sports 
to a university and conduct those conversations in front of a live audience, please reach out to me at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at sportsbusinessradio.com. It's a great way to reach the younger demographic, alums who have attended our show, and also a great way to reach our radio audience each week. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, it's Brian Berger. Here at Sports Business Radio, we are proud to work with our partners, Pastano. They make a sports-proven visual marketing platform that I've personally been amazed to see. Teams like the Dallas Cowboys, Boston Red Sox, LA Kings, and Cleveland Cavaliers all use Pastano to engage their fans. When sports teams and fans tell their stories together, amazing things can happen. Every fan has a story. Whether you want to put selfies on the Jumbotron, create a dynamic social media command center, or activate a hashtag campaign on your website, Pistano can design an amazing social experience true to your brand. Even better, using the Pistano platform can pay for itself through selling sponsorships. As an example, the Kings sell sponsor space to Toyota and other clients and run the ads using Pistano. Want to see what your team's social content could look like? Schedule a demo today. Go to pistano.com slash sports. If you're a fan of this podcast, you understand the real power of engaging your fans. And these guys get it. That is P-O-S-T-A-N-O dot com.